3: What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to access at gmail.com. Just want to say that uh, we're really excited about our giveaway. I uh, want to kind of kick things off, get a little bit of um, housekeeping out of the way, I guess you can say. We're giving away a Quay Walker autographed jersey and uh, actually came from PristineAuctions.com. It's uh, got a, you know, a certificate of authenticity, all those things. It's actually the white away jersey, Beckett style. Uh, really, really nice piece of memorabilia. If you guys watch my live stream, you can see it on the wall behind me. I actually have one hung up right here. Um, it's $150 in value. That's what I paid for the jersey. I just want to give it away to you know, a lucky listener. Appreciate you guys always supporting the show and everything you do. Uh, also out there making a difference. So if you want to enter yourself into that contest to win that jersey, all you got to do is go to my Twitter page, and you, uh, you click on the pinned tweet at the top of my Twitter page and just retweet it out. Make sure you're following my account. That will get you entered in the contest one time. You'll also notice that there is a tweet that's pinned um, right there with that tweet as well. Um, if you want to enter yourself into the contest multiple times, you just uh, basically donate, you know, for every five dollars you donate to this ministry that I'm about to plug. Um, that'll get you entered into the contest uh, one additional time. I know we've had a couple people already do that. And uh, several people already entered in the contest, getting really good um, activity in that regard. But uh, it kind of leads me to my next point. The show today is brought to you by uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, also known as FGR. Um, is actually birthed out of the burden to help those in the community and congregations who have come out of a difficult past and addictive lifestyle and who feel called to devote their lives to Christ and his church. I want to say this. um, We've got people that listen to this show from all different walks of faith. All different walks of life and i absolutely love about that you know i've got people that i've been interacting with on twitter we've got people in the chat that that you know not necessarily a christian like me not a christian like ryan um you know heck we've probably got multiple christians that listen to the show that uh aren't even you know don't even see eye to eye completely on religion that's that's totally cool that's what's awesome about this country awesome about this world people are free to believe however they want to however if you want to donate to the cause even though that's something that you might not necessarily believe in, this is something that is going out to help people, right? So just keep that in mind. I know I've donated to other causes that didn't have a thing to do with, uh, you know, with my personal beliefs, right? Because you could tell that uh, they were getting their hands dirty and helping people. So just know um, everybody's welcome here is what I'm trying to say, basically in a, in a time where um, it doesn't really seem like that in the world, you know, but this one kind of hits close to home for me. And I'm going to move on just a second, but I just want to say that, Anytime an organization is willing to roll up their sleeves and help people who've had a difficult past, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for, man. Period. Um, you know, as you guys know, I, I lost my mother to an overdose um, a couple of years ago. It was back in 2020. And um, anyone who's kept up with the uh, the opioid crisis here in the country would understand how something like that happens. Um, I watched it was a 10 year decline of just being over uh, prescribed to painkiller medication and things like that. And, and what's crazy is there's people that I went to school with that actually pulled out of a similar situation, right? And I won't bore you with all the details. It's just, it's because someone was willing to reach out their hand and help. And that's why causes like this really mean uh, something to me. And, you know, just like the plug says there people who are out of a difficult pass, you know, just showing them, Hey, look, you're not damaged goods because you got addicted to something. You're not damaged goods because you hit rock bottom. Um, if anything, um, it gives you a reason to pick yourself back up so you can help other people. And that has nothing to do with religion, you know, in my opinion. That's just being a good human being, whether you you believe in something like that or not, right? So just wanted to plug that. So if you guys want to enter yourself into that contest, go to that tweet. Now, also, we've had people email me that's entering into the contest. That's totally cool, too. Just send an email to Access at gmail.com and uh, say, hey, I want to be entered into that Quay Walker contest. I'm keeping a written list of those folks, and we'll make sure you get entered in there as well. So with that being said, let's get into the show. I'm really excited, man. It's going to be a... Gonna be a good day dude i'm sitting here and it's uh i'm recording this it's like 10 o'clock in the morning on saturday right this will go out around noon and uh, we got college game day down in uh down in knoxville tennessee watching it on the on the big screen here got the doors open we woke up and it was in uh, you know in the in the 40s this morning as far as weather football season's here man it's uh we're right in the middle of it and uh i couldn't be more happy to be honest with you man it's just one of those one of those weekends man we got some good football first of all this Packers Jets game, I think it has a, a great chance of being a sneaky good game, and we're going to talk about all that. Uh, but also, you got the Chiefs Bills coming up. Um, at, I think it's in the four thirty slot or three thirty slot if you're Central Time. Um, they're immediately following the Packers game, so that's going to be that's going to be awesome. That so far, in my opinion, that's going to be the game of the year right there. Um, so we got some really really good football coming up. I think we got Cowboys Eagles this weekend as well. That's two teams battling for the. Uh, Really, the top seed. Which uh, kudos to, to Coach Mike McCarthy, man. He's he's down there doing it in Dallas too, man. I I know there was a lot of haters uh, outside of the the Packer community. In my opinion, it was mostly other fans saying, "Oh yeah, well, Mike isn't that good. He's had Aaron Rodgers, you know, the same things that they're saying about Matt Lafleur." Of course, Mike McCarthy goes to Dallas and starts winning, and it turns into well, he's got Dak Prescott. Okay, Dak Prescott's been hurt the entire, uh, pretty much the entire season so far. He was hurt most of the time last year. Mike somehow continues to figure out how to win, and, and here they are. I think Cooper Rush is undefeated as a starting quarterback under Mike McCarthy. And uh, it's just amazing how people make uh, make excuses for why they don't like someone. Mike McCarthy's a good coach, and he's got his name on a street sign there in Green Bay, rightfully so. Hated that it didn't work out in Green Bay. I was one that um, I was reluctant at first, but I did think it was time for them to move on, for sure. Just uh, he kind of lost the locker room. There's no denying that. But I think we're also seeing that some of the problems that existed back there with him that he got to blame for still exist because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. That's not to knock Aaron Rodgers. That's not to say that Jordan loves a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. That's not to say that I want Aaron Rodgers gone. If you guys follow me any little bit at all, you know I believe actually totally the opposite when it comes to that. I think Aaron is uh, an excellent quarterback. I think he's a good leader. I know a lot of people disagree with that. But I really, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, man, when you see the fact that we're not running the ball as much as we think we should. And, and, I, and I do believe some of it is – most of it is justified of why we're not giving the ball to the running backs more, you know, based off the looks and things that have happened in the past. But that's something that Aaron's got to take responsibility for, and he has. They've got to adjust on the fly and maybe lean on a little bit more. Adam Sinovich is actually going to talk about that here in just a second on this show. But we got got some, some cool stuff lined up. We're going to give you a little Jets preview. We're going to talk about the injury report. Lay out some PFF grades. Joe Barry is going to talk about the secondary a bit. Like I said, Adam Sinovich is going to talk about the running backs and running the ball a little bit more. We're going to hit on the PFF grades for the uh, the Jets' offensive and defensive players, kind of who's standing out for them so we'll know what to look for in the game on Sunday, Then we'll get you guys out of there. But let's get this thing cranked up right. Let's uh, let's listen to this preview, and it actually comes courtesy of NFL.com. It's free to watch uh, if you want to go on to YouTube or wherever you can find this preview. um. Uh, pretty much all over the internet for free. But I'm going to play it here for you guys uh, out of convenience so you guys can hear it and kind of set the stage here for the game coming up against the Jets. It's five minutes long, but enjoy this.
4: The Green Bay Packers are at home for week six after a disappointing European vacation.
1: Looking. all
4: knocked out. They welcome in the receipt takers, the 3-2 and two New York Jets. Takers.
2: First division win in 13 game and they
4: are three and two who would have thought gang green and the cheeseheads would have the same record after five weeks not so crazy to think the jets could even pull off an upset on the road have to keep playing the pass the way they have so far to pull it off got delta skyler thompson hand in week five no problem they made him look like Skyler Thompson, I guess. No (laughs) touchdowns, INT, rating under 60. Lining
0: into a game. Well, he dropped it, Kevin. Oh, he sure did, yeah, yeah. incomplete.
4: More important to this game is their body of work against the pass. DJ Reed is maybe the most underrated corner in the league right now, rating against under 50. Reed is a big reason why the Jets have an overall rating against in the low 80s. Sauce Gardner came up with their week five INT. They have seven of those now on the season. Sauce is rating against under 80 after his latest outing. It's picked off, and
5: that's the first interception by Gardner
4: similarities between Skylar Thompson and Aaron Rodgers. Alex, what is they both use letters to spell their names? The Jets, though, aren't taking on what you'd call vintage Rodgers. Maybe better way to put it, they aren't taking on a vintage Rodgers passing attack. There's not much difference in his actual play overall. And he was solid enough in London, couple touchdowns, no INTs, mid-90s rating, rating on the year in the same neighborhood. Trying to make
1: something happen with his legs and he finds Kyle.
5: The
4: pass-catching sitch in Green Bay has, has forced, forced Rodgers to rely on patience, has to take whatever he can. He was under six yards per attempt in five, under seven for the season.
1: Loss awesome one, Jahan Ward with the tackle. It's
4: not that he doesn't have time. Packers have allowed a nice low 21.7 pressure rate this season. The Jets will throw Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers at him up front. A sack and a half, and a ridiculous 12 QB hits between them last week. Maybe the Packers turn up the volume on its run game. Both partners of the Dillon and Jones law firm hit a 4.8 or better, only 19 carries between them. Aaron Jones is averaging 6.4 a scamper on the year. Start a run with Jones.
5: And Jones gets the first down.
4: Jets defense hasn't been terrible against ball carriers this season. However, they allowed Raheem Mostert last week to go for 113 yards, 6.3 a run. Wow!
2: Turn the corner
1: is in for six.
4: Running the ball is a growing trend in Jets land. Packers will try and keep Brees Hall from building off his best game as a pro. 97 yards, 18 carries, 5.4 per. Brees Hall, that's a block by Uzama. Hall breaks the plane, it is a touchdown. Let's not forget his 100 yards through the air either, complete with a nice Benny Hill-like finish. Man, I wanted him to get in. And
2: a block by Uzama, and downfield they go! This is the rookie running back, Hall! A downfield by Berrios. Still on his
1: feet, dragging defenders down to the one.
4: Hall could be called upon to lead the way for the offense this week. Green Bay allowed Saquon Barkley 5.4 a carry and have allowed 4.8 a run on the year.
1: The direct snap to Barkley, trying to get to the edge. Oh, he sidled through an opening at Saquon Barkley. Great speed outside the 40.
4: Green Bay's pass defense also coming in without a temperature of any kind. Daniel Jones on a 100.2 rating on him, eight yards per attempt. They've allowed a triple digit rate on the season.
0: There's Barkley in the open field. Oh, what a move, Saquon Barkley,
5: down the sideline and out of bounds.
4: Zach Wilson should avoid Green Bay corner Jair Alexander. He's a sub 60 rate guy so far. Better to try Eric Stokes or Rasul Douglas, both starting the year with triple digit ratings against. For Wilson's part, 210 yards in week five, not a breakout performance, but solid enough. Rating just under 100. He had three TDs, one INT, two TDs, zero, no, zero TDs, zero INTs in week five, that's it. I just read what it says, graduated head of class from the Ron Burgundy School of Journalism, thank you very much. But what do you think? Can the Jets ring up another one for the coach? Put some panic into the pack? Or A-Rod's just gonna keep on L-I-V-I-N and restore order to the upside down? Comment section is yours. Your commentary and predictions are more important than anything I have to say. Here's the grand finale, our predictions.
3: All right. So, what they were talking about with their predictions, it looked like 10 people from NFL.com predicted the game. Only one of the 10 had the Jets winning. Um, kind of important to mention there that it's kind of consensus across the board. The betting line has moved from uh, anywhere from seven to eight and a half points, different sites that I've seen. So, uh, Packers, heavy favorite here, right? And, you know, like Ryan pointed out on his podcast or on Packernet After Dark when I called in and just talked about, hey, it's a five point loss. And he's like, yeah, but we were, you know, supposed to be. Uh, heavy favorites there. I think it was either a five or a seven point favorite. I can't remember now the numbers are running together, but he's talking about how that's a big swing and and he's 100% correct there. I just, if you were to remove the betting lines, right, and you remove all the chatter and you look at the scoreboard at the end of the game, it's like, man, we we were, you know, just a touchdown away, right? We were six points away from winning that ball game. And I think we need to kind of put things into perspective from all angles. I love it when Ryan points out those facts that I didn't necessarily look at from that angle. And at the same time, we're you know if, if you guys have information that you come up with, man, share it with us. Share it with us on Twitter. We love it. we love it when we get tagged in tweets on Twitter. And I love the fact that when our listeners tweeted us, it doesn't turn into an argument. Because man, you just search hashtag Packers. There's a lot of arguing <laughs> going on out there. But uh, anyway, let's get to the injury report. Um, pretty straightforward. I'm just going to talk about the guys that are listed as out or questionable. Okay. Um, everyone else should be a go, but uh Tepa is out for this game. And you're probably thinking, that's ah, it's not a big deal. It's edge backup edge defender. Well, it kind of is because Rashawn Gary had a toe injury uh pop up, right? So he is limited as questionable. He was he practiced Thursday and practiced Friday, both of them though were limited participation. So there's a chance that Rashawn Gary can't go on Sunday. Now, what does that mean? I mean, you've got you've got to start to dip into the uh bar, you know, you've got to uh Kind of go to the bench a little bit. Some people were saying that you know maybe uh, some of the practice squad guys were going to be called up. We'll have to wait and see. As of right now, I have not heard that. Um, I think if we do see within the next twenty four hours or you know any any amount of time before the one o'clock kickoff, twelve noon, um, if someone does get called up from the practice squad, then you know, okay, Rashawn Gary's probably not going to go. If indeed they haven't announced. The, uh, the guys that are going to sit out by then. Then you also got Christian Watson that's out with that hamstring injury. He did not participate on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Looks like they're shutting him down for a bit to get that hamstring uh, healthy. And I know he's been a big talking point here lately. Um, oh, I don't want to go on a rant, but how can I say this without being rude or trying to sound condescending? Um, the, one, of the, one of my biggest pet peeves is how – we spend the whole offseason talking about the draft and talking about free agency and all those things. And and when we draft someone, immediately people go to, yeah, but we can't expect rookies to contribute early, right? It's just something that doesn't happen. And when it does happen, it's either a team trying to force it because their roster is so depleted or, you know, like if someone in practice is grading out higher than them, right? Right or they're grading out higher than what would be the potential starter. So, okay, you go ahead and kind of move them into the lineup. I think that's exactly what's happened with Romeo Dobbs. But it's rare that a rookie receiver, especially someone outside of the first round, a rookie in general outside of the first round comes in and they just immediately start and they're effective, right? There's those growing pains, especially when you take someone like Christian Watson. I don't know what it is, man. Like Christian Watson, when we drafted him, he wasn't extremely high on my board, but I had him graded right around where they took him, um, as far as my consensus big board. And along with, uh, you know, like you guys know, Greg Cosell carries a lot of weight with me. A couple of other people that were former scouts in the league; those are the guys I listen to. I don't listen to the fanboy that's just going to state his opinion or her opinion every two seconds and pretend like they know more than a scouting department. That that always cracks me up. But when when they drafted Christian Watson, I didn't look at Christian Watson and go, oh. Day one starter. This dude's going to come in and tear it up. I was hoping he would. I think we all would love to see every draft pick come out and start and play better than the guys that were on the previous roster. It's just not realistic. But what you've seen with Christian Watson was a player who has a freak, uh, a freak combination of skills. This skill set, you know, he's talking about blazing speed. You know, uh, depending on which side you look at, he's six four or six five as far as his height right? He's got stride length that a lot of people don't ever talk about. That's when you have 40 time and you have large stride length, that's the recipe for someone who is going to have a, I mean, they're going to have blazing speed at the next level because sometimes the 40 time, you know, looks all inflated. And then you see him on the field and it's like, man, he just doesn't look that fast. Guys are being able to run with him. And if you focus on the guys that are able to run just as fast as them, it's because they have larger stride length. That's something Greg Cosell taught me and and me listening to his podcast and and listening to the information that he provides. Christian Watson has both of those things, but he was a raw talent. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience. He came from a small school. Now he didn't have a whole lot of catches. He was basically a deep threat and a run heavy offense. He showed that he can run block PFF grade suggests that's what he's good at this year, too. So you've got to kind of work him into that role. Now, you take into consideration he's had a hamstring injury as well, on top of him missing training camp because they had to scope his knee. You know, this is a long term investment. I mean, we have guys saying he's a bust. We have guys, and they won't say, he's, uh, I think he's a bust, but it's all oh, this is a bad pick. Should have never done it. I don't understand why we're not utilizing him. It's like, what did you expect? This is just like the defense. We brung the same exact defense back, and we added two rookies to the fold, two early round pick rookies to the fold. See, you know, first round picks, right? In, pa- in the past, Rashan Gary, a emerging superstar. Guys, his first year in the league, he was non-existent. But somehow, these guys are different. They're going to contribute right away, and if they don't, then by God, the sky's falling, and uh, it was a busted pick. Fire Barry. Goody doesn't know what he's doing. I can draft better than Goody. On and on and on and on. Right. Everyone talked about this defense was going to be top five. The, and it, it's mainly because of the reports coming out of training camp because they were going up against a depleted offensive line. I want to beat a dead horse here. I'm just, I really want to hammer that point home that. There was, no, there was nothing to suggest to us that this was going to be a top-five defense. I think there was a lot of room for growth that, man, they could really step into that top-ten, top-five defense. Absolutely, it's if there's a chance. But to just pretend like the defense that was middle of the pack last year is going to come in this year and just be the, the freaking 2000 Baltimore Ravens is silly. It really is. We've got to check our expectations there, right? And, it, you know, it, it's amazing. Joe Barry's catching the majority of the Heat. But when you look at the PFF grades, the PFF grades are suggesting that the players are underperforming in the secondary. I mean, you heard the stats just now. Russell Douglas and Eric Stokes are giving up triple-digit quarterback ratings when thrown against them. That has nothing to do with Joe Barry. Now, well, they're playing soft coverage. Okay, they're playing soft coverage. Am I the only one that's seen in the Minnesota game multiple defensive backs throwing their hands straight up in the air and spinning around like, I can't believe that happened. Why wasn't you on your guy? Okay, Let's say that the guy throwing his hands up was right. Darnell Savage, I'll just say his name. He's constantly pointing the finger at Devondre Campbell or pointing the finger at Rasul Douglas or pointing the finger at Eric Stokes. First of all, you want to get on my crap list, that'll do it right there. For as many people that bash Aaron Rodgers for shaking his head on a stuffed run or, you know, uh, throwing a temper tantrum on the field, those same people don't say anything about uh, Darnell Savage looking like a a four year old in the candy aisle that his mama won't get him a candy bar, and he's jumping around in a circle, pointing at everybody, throwing a hissy fit. Like, so it, let's say it's not Darnell Savage's fault. Then it has to be Eric Stokes. Okay, it's not Eric Stokes' fault. Then it has to be Russell Douglas. Like, he's not jumping around because everything fell into place exactly how they thought. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, you can't just put this on the defensive coordinator. And at some point, we have to step back a second and go, okay. We keep saying we have elite talent on defense. I've said it as well. What suggests we have elite talent on defense? Jair Alexander, two years ago, graded out great. I'm with you. I think I think he is an elite talent. And I agree with Ryan that I don't think he's being utilized right. Right. They need to be more aggressive with how they use Jair Alexander. But the others, it's like, why what makes you think Eric Stokes is an elite DB? Oh, he's not. Okay. What makes you think Russell Douglas is an elite DB? Oh, he's never really been. I mean, he had a bunch of interceptions last year, but isn't it amazing? All off season, we said, "Yeah, he had a lot of picks, but it wasn't like he played lights out." Now all of a sudden, he's not. He doesn't have the picks, and he's not playing lights out. And it's Joe Barry's an idiot firing. Come on, guys. But you know, and Adrian Amos has underperformed as well. Now it is on Joe Barry. It's his responsibility to fix this problem, right? Um, and we'll see if they can do it. But I think, I think, I'm not saying that it's all the player's fault. I'm not saying it's all Joe Barry's fault. I'm saying collectively, can we approach this as a team and even from a fan base standpoint and stop trying to divide everyone out and saying it's it's their fault, it's his fault, it's their fault. I push back when people try to make excuses for specific players cuz it's like come on now. You can't you can't pick the one or two good plays that Savage had out of a out of, you know, 80 snaps and say see look he's doing his job. <laughs> like that's what I love about PFF. Whether you love it or hate it, it grades consistency. And in my opinion, consistency is the most important aspect of football, period. Explosive plays are huge on offense. But when it comes to defense, you want players playing consistent. I could care less about those one or two flash plays. You give me a player that's going to be schematically sound for the entire, you know, the entirety of all four quarters of that game. I'm taking that over the one or two flash plays where they get up and, you know, start doing the gritty and and showing their you know what that's just me personally. So um all right, on to the New York Jets. Dwayne Brown, offensive tackle, he is questionable with a shoulder injury and then you got Jermaine Johnson defensive end, he has been ruled out. I don't think either of those are a huge factor mainly because the Jets defense uh their edge defenders, they've got a good edge combo. I think it's one of the under more underrated one in the league. You got Franklin Myers at the left side. And then on the right side, you got Carl Lawson. I think it was the last game. They they hit the quarterback 12 times, albeit a backup quarterback, like the, the video just said, right? Um, but they've got a solid solid pass rush for sure. And we'll kind of talk about the grades here in a second. Just on the surface, though, the things that stand out to me as far as defensive players is defensive tackle, Quentin Williams is a stud. Like I said, left end Franklin Myers, right end Carl Lawson. Uh, cornerback Sauce Gardner and cornerback DJ Reed. That's one of the better young cornerback tandems in the uh, in the National Football League as it sits right now. But let's look at the Jets as a whole when it comes to uh, overall PFF team grades. Okay, they grade out overall as the 18th best team in the league, and I think that's a very fair assessment. You know, when I look at the Jets, I don't look at them as the Jets of old. I don't look at them as a pushover by no stretch of the imagination. I know a lot of people hate on Robert Sala, and he definitely, you know, had his team underperforming, you know, last year. I know that for a fact. But it seems like they're starting to turn the corner, especially on defense, and that's what they hired him for. When you look at this Jets team, and you look at how they play, I'm not, I'm not trying to compare talent. I'm not trying to say suggest that they're as good as the 49ers, but you can tell this team is playing. To strengths like the 49ers do. They lean on the pass rush, right? They they have a solid pass rush, they have a solid defense, they have excellent special teams. <clears throat> the offensive side of the ball is sputtered somewhat, but at any point they could get that together. This has all the makings for the defense to have a get right game. Now, I didn't say that against the Giants because I felt like Saquon Barkley was such a such an X factor that I kind of didn't push on that, you know, that uh, that theme too much because you know he's, he is he's a game changer, both in the running game and the passing game. Daniel Jones is not a hor- horrible quarterback. I, I almost mentioned his PFF grades last week, but I didn't I didn't want to start any more arguments uh, and making excuses. but Daniel Jones hasn't played bad football this year. I mean he's not played great, but to pretend like he's played bad is just, uh, you know, it's silly, it really is. But they grade out as the 18th best team at a 70.6. And uh, offensively, a 61.9, so you can tell offense are pretty weak. When you go to the defensive side of the ball, 72.8. So their strength in this team is definitely defense. Now, what do they do well on defense? Glad you asked. Um, The number one thing is pass rush. They grade out at an 80.4 on pass rush, and that's mainly because of Franklin Myers and Carl Lawson, right? Two stud, you know, not elite, but just solid, good, Maybe good good, borderline great edge rushers to this point in the season, okay? Grading out at 80.4. What's their weakness on defense? Hands down is tackling, all right? The run defense is a 66.3. Not horrible, but, again, definitely not the thing they do the best on defense. So, to me, those numbers suggest we need to get the ball to the running backs and do it in space. This would be a good game to try to run some dump passes to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon especially if the jets come out and do the same thing that other teams have been doing right. And playing a little more coverage, you know, they showed a lot of exotic looks last year and, you know, we're basically going to see the San Francisco 49ers 2.0 defense here. Right. So think about how the Niners play defense. That's probably, you're probably going to get a good chunk of that with Robert Solo's defensive looks. All right. But again, the tackling grade is the thing that they did the worst on defense their run defense. We we need to we need to lean on the run. I say it every week. We need to do that. And I really hope that Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers got that ironed out. And they try to get a little bit away a little bit more away from the RPO aspect of this offense. And maybe let's 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 lean on the run a little bit more this week. Let's get some more touches in the running backs' hands. Let's kind of get our feet under us early, and uh, and then play the clock in the second half. We should have had a win against the Giants. We did not treat the clock as if it was our opponent last week. We came out and tried to get cute in the second half. We got burned. We got caught with our pants down. It is what it is. Time to move on, right? So offensively, though, the Jets haven't been great. Like I said, 61.9, passing grade 61.7, pass block 53.0. If Rashawn Gary is healthy and goes, we should be able to get pressure on him pretty pretty easy, in my opinion. Um, Receiving grade only a 64.5, although I will say that Garrett Wilson – Corey Davis having a pretty good year. We'll get to that here in a second. And uh, Zach Wilson is only two game saturation, but he's uh, played pretty solid. So that's kind of how that looks. But the thing they do the best is special teams. Ninety point one. Let me sort it here. They may be the best. Uh, they are number five in the entire National Football League in special teams. Okay. And it's funny we harp on special teams a lot, right? When you look at the top five teams in special teams, Tennessee Titans are three and two. Washington Commanders are second. Uh, with a two and four record the Carolina Panthers are third in special teams with a one and four record. This is PFF by the way. Um, number four is the Chicago Bears sitting at two and four and then number five are the New York Jets. So they they've really got their special teams buttoned up very nice. but uh, again, defense is their strong point. offense is probably their weakest point. Uh, in my opinion. So let's do this. Let's go to Joe Barry and listen to a little bit of what he had to say. Um, he was asked about some of the coverage and, and how he feels about his secondary, things like that. But uh, let's, let's see what the defensive coordinator had to say here. This is the guy that's on the hot seat that everybody wants to fire and should have ran out of town last week because we lost by five points. But here he is. In the hobby, it's not
1: easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks.
4: Oh, Joe, we we all think your secondary is really good. I mean, as do I. So why haven't they played very good? What's the disconnect there between talent and and you know giving up 27 points over five possessions and not many deflections, or interceptions, or any of those things? Yeah,
2: no, I, uh, I agree. But I, I think they're uh, I do I think they're an elite group. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, I think the nice thing will be having Ja back, having them healthy, having them back in the fold. Um, I think consistency is always a big thing. And, um, you know, we had a little stretch there where we lost Smash in the in the New England game for three quarters, uh, Adrian Amos. Um, you know, so I think those five guys, just like any position group, you know, the, the consistency, the ability to come together, um, had a great, great two days on uh, yesterday and today. So I think the more those guys play together as a unit, um, the more comfortable they get and the better and better they'll play. Um, but there, there's not a doubt in my mind. I still think it's it's a special group and it's a late group.
1: Joe Smash was saying yesterday with those crossing routes, he said teams are going to keep running them until we can prove we can stop them. Sure. Why have teams been able to get so many yards off those against you
2: guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think over routes are, are something that are, you know, it, it depends obviously on what kind of coverage contour you're in. Um, and, you know, Not to get into too many X's and O's, but we have to play those better. I think we can we can mix coverage a little bit um, at times um, because consistently there's been a few um, a few of those that have shown up in specific coverage principles that we've been in. So I think anytime that we can mix it up and change it up a little bit, I think that will obviously help. But um, yeah, it's 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 a copycat league and. Amen. By that is when, when something happens in a game, it's gonna show up the next game. And, and until, you know, you squash it, it's gonna to continue to show up. So um, I think there's a number of things that that can help on that. Obviously, the, the changing the coverages, um, you know, the best coverage is a, is a great pass rush. If the quarterback can't throw the ball, um, it doesn't matter what you're playing behind it. So it all works together.
3: Enjoy. All right, so I just wanna comment on this. Um, you know, he talked about it being a copy, copycat league, right? And saying that when something shows up on tape, it, it typically continues to show up until you squash it. And what he means by that is, and I know most of our listeners understand this, if there's one or two out there that don't, then awesome. This, you know, hopefully this will help you. This is something that I was able to learn just listening to multiple audio books and, and reading on on how teams approach the week and, you know, coming up. You know, Pat Kerwin's Take Your Eye Off the Ball does a great job of laying out a full work week. Um, as far as you know, from a coaching staff and front office standpoint, getting ready for a ball game, and you know they basically <clears throat> talk about how they would do a four-game saturation of that team, right? If you had any head-to-head matchups, you put those to the forefront. Our last maybe two or three matchups against this team, what did they try to do to us, okay? And how effective were we at stopping them, right? And uh, and at us being successful, essentially. Well, then you take a four-game saturation of what has this team done the previous four games, even outside of our head-to-head matchups. What is it they're doing to attack? When the game's on the line, when they need to play, who's the player they're going to? On top of that, you know, how many times did they line up in 11 personnel? How many times did they line up in 21 personnel? So on and so forth. That's going to determine, okay, these are the players that are going to be on the field the majority of the week. Let's give them extra prep time. Let's make sure that they're prepared for this team and, you know, what route combinations did they use the most? You know, it's funny. We we draw this up as if, you know, offense and defense is this, this huge, uh, you know, I don't know, this huge uh, diabolical plan and it's all scientific and not everybody can understand it. That's BS. When it comes to um, route combinations and how offenses attack defense, essentially they're running the same thing over and over and over. It'll be out of a different personnel with a little bit different pre-snap motion with a little bit different look and splits on the on the formational side. But a drive concept is a drive concept. A spot concept is a spot concept. A hoss concept is a hoss ha- concept. These things keep getting recycled in the league. Right. So when a team when you study a team and like what Joe Barry was saying, it's a copycat league when they look you know, the week before last and seeing, man, Green Bay really struggles with the crossers. Let's add this play, this play, and this play into this week's game plan, and let's try to take advantage of that. You get to a point eventually as a defense to go, okay, we've really got to focus on the crossers, or they're going to continue to hammer it. And I bring that up is because it's so rare that a team will beat the same divisional opponent twice in one year. And then in some cases you play a team in the regular season, meet them again in the playoffs. It's It's most of the time the same team doesn't win every game. And the reason being is because that team that had success will come out in the next matchup and they'll go, okay, we had success against them with this, this, and this. Let's stick to it until they prove they can can beat it, right? And the other team is coming out and going, last time they did this, this, and this against us, right? Let's say Crossers, for example. Let's make our top priority – I don't care what we got to do within our defensive scheme. Let's make sure that we are leaning inside. Let's make sure we're playing with inside leverage. Let's make sure that the robber is in position to take away the backside window, the second window of that crosser route. Let's get them away from the crosser if they try to attack us with it. Right? And that's how that team comes out and has a little bit of an advantage. And if the adjustment isn't made, which is my opinion, is the number one thing we need to criticize this coaching staff for is second-half adjustments. Isn't it did amazing? A few weeks ago, people were pretending like – Halftime adjustments don't happen, and now the problem is we're not making halftime adjustments, right? And I think it is overblown to a certain extent, but there are adjustments that need to take place. That is 100% on the coaching staff, but at the same time, when you look at the players in the secondary not being in their spots on time, you know, like Matt LaFleur said, to me it feels like Matt LaFleur really went in this week and fixed the problem. I think we're going to see a defense. I think we're going to see a secondary come out and play well. And it's not that it matters. Like someone tweeted at me on Twitter. It's like, man, it doesn't matter if we come out and blow the Jets out. If we blow them out, then it's the Packers should have blown them out. If we win a close game, then it's, man, they really underperformed against a bad Jets team. If we lose, the sky's falling. There's really a no-win situation for these fans that just want to complain constantly, right? And that's okay. Everybody has a right to enjoy their NFL season or be miserable during their NFL season, however they want to be, right? But the goal – of this podcast is to kind of help people understand and myself listening to Joe Barry talk and and other coaches talk and the information that's at hand, myself try to understand and learn my, you know, what is it that I'm not understanding about why this is being effective or isn't being effective, right? That's our overall goal. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand football better than Joe Barry. If you want that, there's plenty of that on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, Make you an account and go on there and listen to all the professionals talk about how stupid Joe Barry is and how they understand football way better than he does. Just like the same people that turn right around and pretend like they had players graded out better or worse than Goody did, and they just cannot understand how Goody could make that draft pick. What a moron. Bro, come on. You've never coached a game in your life. You've never even been in an internship in a professional sports league. And you're going to pretend like you understand more than a front office that has spent millions and millions and millions of dollars in building this database of players, not just the archetype of the type of players they want at each position, you know, given the specific scheme they're running, but also a database. That's what Bill Belichick does so well. And Bill Parcells highlights it in the the documentary tell of two bills. Um, he said, what, What um Bill Belichick has done so well is he's created this pool of this never-ending pool of players, of where he can always find the one or two players if he if he has a need, if somebody's banged up, injured, whatever, he can find someone that fits that exact role that he needs perfectly. Because his dad helped create a scouting system way back in the day. You know, he played for the Lions for a short bit. Went on to coach at the Naval Academy. Steven Belichick's a legend in the game of football. A lot of people don't know that, but, you know, Bill Belichick's dad is an absolute legend. And he created this scouting system. And it's not necessarily to scout and see how good a player is, but it's to identify and classify them into certain categories to go, okay, this is the, the scheme he fits. This is the role specific that he fits. And... Um, Those things all come into play and it matters for me to pretend like all that time, all that energy, all that money, the resources, everything invested into a front office is putting, compiling all this information. They have a database of what these players are, should be, will be, can be within a scheme or a system. But yeah, I'm the guy on Twitter that knows more than they know. It's a joke to me. So I just have to mention it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to go on a rant, but it is what it is. I can't stand loudmouths who have no experience in what they're talking about. And, and it's fun to talk about Don't get me wrong. I'm, I have my opinions too. But when the end of the argument becomes, well, I said he was going to be bad and he's bad. It's like, come on, dude. come on, stop trying so hard to prove your ignorance because for everything that you say you got right, I can find a half a dozen other things that you got wrong, but it's funny. You're not mentioning those, <laughs> right? So anyway, let's move on to the New York Jets offensive grades. Um, the Jets offensive players according to PFF, the top graded player is Zach Wilson. Now granted, it's only 2 games, right? Only 2 games he's had uh, according to this his snap count is 129 total snaps, uh, 70 pass snaps. And um he uh his offensive grade is a 77.4. Guys, that's solid. If keeping up, he's grading out higher than Aaron Rodgers right now if I remember correctly. Okay. So to pretend like Zach Wilson is this bust of a quarterback It's only two games this year, and he definitely underperformed last year, right? You know, I was one of them in the offseason going, I don't know why people are so excited about him. He hasn't showed anything yet. The second he does, I get it. He's starting to show it a little bit. Now, it's easy to look back at that Miami Dolphin game where the Jets won last week and say, well, they were down to their backup quarterback. Okay, I got you. But all year long, the first four weeks of the season, everybody's talking about how good this Miami defense is. And here's Zach Wilson went down there and got a dub against that defense, right? Everything goes in hand, hand in hand, and we got to keep it in perspective. I completely understand that. But Zach Wilson's playing solid, 77.4. Number two, rookie wide receiver Garrett Wilson, 220 total snaps. This is a small sample size, 76.0 grade. I mean, this guy is he's he's lighting it up. He's having a great rookie year. He really is, according to PFF grades. Um, number three is Vera Tucker, their guard, solid, 74.5. Number four, their punter, uh, Braden Mann, seventy point seven. You know, we talked about their special teams being good. He's one of the reasons right there. They got a solid punter, and then of course you've got a uh, number five, Cordy Davis, wide receiver, seventy point five. So you see, of their top five players according to PFF of who's graded out the most, and all of them have a really, uh, a really solid snap count there, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah, all of them look pretty, uh, pretty well saturated. Um, yeah, you've got basically your quarterback your two top receivers, and then um, you've got your uh, your guard. So when you kind of comb down and look, okay, what about the bad players? You know, we said Dwayne Brown might miss the game. He only grades out of the 57.8, right? Max Mitchell's another tackle, got a lot of snaps, 54.7. Um, this game here, we really, need, we really need to attack the edges. We have got to get an early lead, right, and then get after Zach Wilson. Now he can he can beat you with his legs a little bit. He's a very mobile quarterback. Uh, they say he can throw on the run well. I don't necessarily 100% agree with that. With some of the throws I've seen, um, he is kind of an off schedule top player, someone who can make those secondary reactional um, you know plays. But I don't think he's you know great at it at least early in his career right here. But again, we got to give him some credit, man. This is what I'm talking about. This isn't going to be just a pushover game. I mean, this is going to be a tough game. I I, I could. If I had to bet right now, I would probably say there's a good chance the Jets can cover that spread. I mean, if you're giving the Jets, especially if you're getting at eight and a half points, I would feel pretty comfortable taking that bet. Now, and that's only because Aaron Rodgers isn't showing his elite level that he played last year. Still playing solid. We highlighted those last week. Um, still playing good football, but nowhere near MVP caliber. This could be the game he breaks out. And if that's the case, it could be a blowout win for the Packers. But again, we cannot look at these, this Jets team as if it's the Jets team of old. They seem to be starting to turn the corner, and we'll see if that continues this week. But now let's move on to the offensive side of the ball for the Packers. And uh, I want to hear what offensive coordinator Adam Stinevich has to say. Um, you know, he was asked by the media, um, you know, about the running game and 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 getting the running backs more involved and all that stuff. And it's been a, a, a hot topic on Twitter all week long, right? And I really enjoyed engaging with everybody this week because – There's a lot of negativity out there, but at the same time, and I've had some great conversations with reasonable fans and it's, it's awesome to be able to just jot down a quick note and go, this guy on Twitter, this gal on Twitter gets it. They, they're, they're not just a hothead that's going to scream fire everybody. Those are the people I want to stay connected with because I feel like they're the ones that are looking at the NFL season from a realistic standpoint, rather than I'm going to predict that they win 15 games. And when they lose a game by five points, I'm going to act like the sky's falling. (laughs) I just like to connect with those, those fans a little bit more and, I feel like those are the people that you can learn from because they're not making comments based out of emotion. It's it's strictly based off of facts and what's happening on the field. I love that type of interaction, and I've gotten great emails here lately. Um, nothing that we can read online re- over over the air. I don't want to bore you guys with someone just saying, "Hey, love the show. I thought this was a huge play." Uh, if it's something that's a specific topic, obviously we'll weave it into the show. But I appreciate you guys reaching out on email as well. But let's see what Adam Stinovich has to say about the running backs. Nice to
5: know. Um, not being a stubborn offense and being a bad offense by just saying, we're going to run it.
3: I want to say this. The media cracks me up. You're supposed to ask a question. And what they always do is give a 30-second, um, a 30-second basically acknowledgement of what they think the team is. Like just saying, you know, instead of being a stubborn offense and uh, not running the ball more, and, and and it's like you're supposed to ask a question. Why are you trying to tell the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, let me remind you everything you guys are doing bad, and then I'll ask my question, or even doing good. It's like people don't tune into the press conference to hear how well you structured your question. People tune into the press conference to hear from the players and the freaking coaches. Get over yourself.
5: Can, so help me understand them because – Matt has to get up there after games and go. Help me understand that. Aaron got thirteen carries and AJ got six, and so we got to get them to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. At the same time, part of that is you see what the defense gives you, and you say, "All right, we're going to go to the can player that runs right. the court, right." Right. Yeah. So, so is there is there some way
3: if you could see Stanovich look away right now? He says instead you you go to the can player the you go away from the you go to the can play and away from the run play, and he goes right. And, and literally the reporter, and I don't know who it is, I ain't going to say his name, but he's, he's notorious for this. Mike McCarthy used to eat his lunch all the time. He raises his voice over Stinovich to continue his question. Stinovich literally starts rubbing his eyes and looks at the floor like, God, this guy just wants to hear himself talk. Please ask the question.
5: That even if if you're looking at it, it says, okay, this is an advantageous passing
3: situation. Still looking at the ground.
5: Is there an instance where you can still say, but we're going to run it anyway because we got to get these guys – running the ball more like I understand you want to be stubborn at the same time
3: I wish you could see the way Stanovich is looking at him he's looking at him like this guy's really I mean he's depressed he's depressed not Stanovich he's looking at the reporter like is this guy okay he looks like he's gonna cry <laughs>
5: you do want to get those guys more carries so how the hell do you do that
3: you just
0: I mean again you don't want to you want to take what the defense gives you right that's the biggest thing that you want to do, first and foremost. If you force things, you're not going to be successful. Does that make sense? Like you can get away with it a little bit, but over the long haul, you always want to just put yourself and your team in the best position possible to be successful. So, yes, there are a lot of passing situations where we handle the ball. Off, and I think if you watch the tape on third downs, we've ran the ball more on third downs probably than we have in a while around here, um, in just these five games. So I don't know if that answers your question. Like we are doing that.
5: Um, my, My point is simply that, you know, and Matt's great about the buck stops here and it's always his fault, right? I mean, he's great about saying that, but you can tell that he seems honest about, I wanted to get these guys more carries and we didn't at the same time. It's also being dedicated to what we just talked about, that you believe that if they're showing you a look, you're not going to just run just to say, well, we ran the ball 25
3: times. What cracks me up is what the reporter is trying to get Sinovich to say is Aaron, Aaron is choosing to pass over the run. That's what he's trying to get him to say. The reporter knows that's what's happened, right? Matt LaFleur knows that's what happened. He acknowledged it after the game. Sinovich knows that's what's happening. You don't want to unplug your you know, four-time MVP from the offense and go shut up and run the ball like, and, and instead of is pointing out, the reason these decisions are being made is because it is a heavy box or it is a situation where, okay, we probably probably, if we do run the ball, it's going to be a one yard loss. And then, and the second it happens, the second it happens, everybody's going to be like, can't believe they just keep running the ball into the back of the offensive line. We need big explosive plays. Like that's it, it's this constant going back and forth. But I, I mentioned that because, the reporter is too chicken. He's too terrified to say it's obvious that Aaron's choosing the pass option of the RPOs in this offense and that's why you're not running the ball, you know, more than you are. What are you guys gonna do to change that? But he's too scared to say that because he's afraid that Aaron Rodgers will blast him back, right? That's that's basically what this long winded question is.
0: Yeah, right? exactly. I mean that's exactly right. Like you're you're not, well,
3: yeah, you you answered your own question, so. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Uh, he said, I think he said, I'm not a fan. I could be wrong, but he said, you answered your own question. You and know. he moved on to the next question. And that's the only way you can handle that. Like, the entire time that the reporter was asking him that question, Sinovich is just literally sitting there staring at the floor, rubbing on his eyes like, this guy is just wants, he just wants to hear himself talk. He just wants to hear himself talk. Everybody knows what's going on. Defenses are sugaring, and on top of sugaring, they're loading the box. And in those situations, you typically want to pass the ball. Now, there has to come an element. There has to come a time where late in the ballgame, when you're up by two scores, you go, you know what? Let's run into that box a little bit. Let's, Let's just see if we can keep the running game going. Because when you come out and you pass three straight times in the fourth quarter, I mean, it's literally pass, 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 and put your defense right back on the field again late in the game. Heck, they did it coming out of halftime, not running the ball enough. That's a problem. It, at some point, it's got to go from, okay, let's forget what we what we would normally do, and let's kind of – let's play the clock here. The only problem with that is you will have a select amount of fans and media members, and rightfully so, come out and go, they're being too conservative. Like I want, I want the gas pedal down. Okay. I don't know how you can get the gas pedal down any further. I mean, you're going to, you're going to touch the pavement with it. If, if you think they should go even more aggressive than passing three consecutive times in a situation where they're up by two scores, I don't know what people mean by we've got to put the throttle down. You know what I'm saying? Um, I understand it's frustrating in the game. You know, Ryan and I had a great conversation the other night on chalk talk, uh, me talking about that very thing that I'll, yeah, I, I sound all even, you know, even kill level headed on the pod sometimes. And then I'm watching the game and I'm one of those fans screaming it too. But once the game's over and you really get to look at the tape and go, okay, what actually happened with the flow of the game? I begin to understand why things happen rather than in the heat of the moment, just you know, kind of kind of throwing things out. But I wanted to play that Stinovich clip just to show how the media approaches this. Like you had basically a three minute exchange there. And I bet Stinovich talked for 30 seconds. The media member made statement after statement and then asked a question. Then tried to ask another question. Stinovich just got tired of it. Like, okay, you answered your own question. Okay, let's move on. I love it. I love how he handled that. Um, all right, let's check the time here. All right, we're winding down here with the 51-minute mark. I want to hit on this real quick. Um, on the defensive side of the ball for the Jets, what makes their defense so good? As far as grading right now, now I want to mention these top two players, minimal snaps. Uh Eccles, which is a, a cornerback. He's only had 13 total snaps. He's graded out really, really well at a 91.0. That's elite, right? But minimal snaps, okay? Edge defender Bryce Huff, 90 point eight, but only 24 snaps. I mean, which that's I mean that 24 snaps is 24 snaps, right? That's that's half a ball game for a backup, right? 90 point eight is a solid, you know 89 point4 pass rush grade. But here's the guy that I feel like this whole defense is built around, Quentin Williams. Quentin Williams is a defensive lineman. He's defensive tackle. He's had 206 snaps. He's grading out an 88.8 PFF grade right now. And his pass rush is the big thing. This team can get after the quarterback, guys. They can get after the quarterback. Are we going to stay patient and do the very thing that we just talked about and maybe putting the RPOs down just a touch, unless they're absolutely giving us something out in a bubble screen where the, the hat count is totally in our favor? Then let's 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 really lean on the run here, right? That's what this this is the early spelling for me in this ball game in this matchup. Uh, number four, edge defender Franklin Myers. I mentioned him earlier, eighty six point six PFF grade. Number five, Marcel Harris, seventy eight point eight from the linebacker position. And then you got Carl Lawson coming in at a seventy four point seven. Steve defense is playing great. Sheldon Rankins, number seven, coming in at 73.0. Jermaine Johnson, which I'm pretty sure he might have been the player that was out. I've already closed that tab. Can't remember. Anyway, um, 72.7, defensive uh, PFF grade. Will Park, safety, 72.3, only 24 snaps, but playing solid. Here's the, one of the corners I mentioned, DJ Reed Jr., 322 total snaps, grading out of the 71.6. Not bad, not bad. A young corner and then you slide on down to uh Sauce Gardner 68.0. He's had 317 snaps. Those two guys right there are having a pretty good game or a pretty good season, especially coming off that good game against Miami. And then also, you got another edge defender in Michael Clemens 69.1. So you see, edge defender, I mean, of those players that grade uh, above or right at 70, according to PFF, you've got one, two, three, four, five. Five of them are edge defenders. This is a team, a defense that can really get after the quarterback. So the Packers have have really got to pay attention to that, not get away from the run too much and make sure that uh, we've got players in there. That's going to pass protect. And uh, when I say pass protect, not necessarily, you know, pass block at, at at an elite level, but just know the assignment, know what they're doing. This is why you don't shift things around the offensive line. Um, I think that we'll probably see David Bakhtiari the entire game this week. That's what I'm hoping for. Elton Jenkins had a great bounce back game against the Giants, albeit coming in a loss. But everything's starting to look up on the offensive line here a bit. What we need to do now is really throw the hammer down. The Christian Watson experience is is put on pause for the time being with that hamstring injury, right? And I think what that's going to do, you're going to lose your jet sweep action Uh, Aspect at least the threat aspect of that with his speed, you could tell teams were really starting to keen on that. That might be a good thing. Maybe still run that jet sweep action, right, that end-around action, the motion, whatever you want to call it, and keep teams on the move. But there's really not going to be much of a threat to give the ball to the receiver that's doing that. And I think that's a good thing because if you guys listened to the pods all week last week, multiple callers called in uh, on Ryan's podcast on Packernet After Dark. And rightfully so, saying, can we just stop with the jet motion for a second? It's just not – it's not working right now. We're wasting a lot of plays. Keep the pre-snap stuff, but it seemed like every time they hand it in around right now, it's getting blown up. Teams are really starting to catch on to that aspect of this offense. And it's kind of like what Joe Barry was saying, it's a copycat league. You know, early in the season, it worked, right? You've seen Christian Watson get his touchdown, first touchdown as a Green Bay Packer, do the Lambo leap, all that stuff. And these teams are going back and watching that last two or four game saturation and going, okay, we, we we really need to key in on that end around. There's going to come a point where teams stop biting on it because, you know, you've seen with the Mercedes Lewis touchdown that we broke down on Chalk Talk, that was the reason that play happened. That's the reason they got a touchdown out of that play was the defense completely bit on all that play action. There's going to come a time because like Joe Barry said, it's a copycat league where they're going to key in on that and go, you know what, um, Let's let's just – forget about that jet sweep for just a second, right? And let's make sure we don't get faked out by that. And when that happens, guess what the Packers have to do? It being a copycat league, they now have to adjust. It's what I absolutely love about the National Football League. You don't even get this level of chess at the college level, in my opinion. Um, I know there's a certain aspect of it there, but for the most part, NFL football is chess, not checkers. And, you know, the, the difference between the worst team in the league and the best team in the league, is so minute and i say that earlier on a podcast i'm sure people roll their eyes and go oh that's bs okay and how did the packers lose to the giants like you can't you can't have both of those opinions both of those mindsets and then be true this is a tough league to win ball games in and the packers do not have Devonte adams now they're having to try to manufacture offense a little bit more right but i agree 100 with ryan let's use a little more creativity on the defensive side of the ball. Everything I've heard in the pressers this week suggests to me they're going to do that. You're going to see some stuff shift around. You know, you talked about or you heard Joe Barry kind of talk about um, the contour of the defense, the contour of the play. Um, there's there's going to be some adjusting. Now, here's the question. <clears throat> Will Mike LaFleur, Matt's little brother, try to attack with crossing routes? If I was Mike LaFleur, absolutely I would. I would look at the last few games and go, here's where they've been weak. We would be stupid not to try to exploit it. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to do it all game. They try it once or twice. The Packers stop it. They're going to adjust and maybe throw a Dino or a Zag in on the backside. Some of these concepts where you've got, you know, a a deep dig inside off of a a slot Zag or a slot Dino, whatever you want to call it. It's basically a three-yard slant and then a sharp out pattern. You're trying to get the DB, the defense, the zone, whether it's man coverage, whoever you're trying to get them to body inside to free up outside, and if indeed they cheat inside and take that away, then you got the deep dig on the backside. If they uh, if they go with the outside route, you got the deep dig on the backside. That would be the way the way to counter if the Packers do come out and stop the crosser. These are the games that go on within the game, and uh, it's a lot easier to sit here and talk on a podcast and and especially on Twitter you know, as a fan and say, ah, oh, Joe Barry's a moron, they need to fire. And there's a lot of stuff going on, guys. And uh I in my opinion, I think we need to step back and go, maybe this defensive personnel is an elite. They haven't proven it at any point as a whole, as a defense. They've never been a top five defense according to PFF. I think there's something to that. We got to stop buying into the hype of interceptions from last year, right? It doesn't mean they can't be elite, but as it sits right now, they're not. So we got to stop pretending like they are, you know. Uh, But it's going to be a fun game. I'm excited. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this podcast. Like I said, we got the one o'clock kickoff there with the Jets Packers, 12 Central. And then you got the the Bills Chiefs after that. And then uh, I can't remember if it's Sunday night or Monday night. We got the Cowboys Eagles. It's going to be a good, good Sunday of football. But we're excited about the Packers Jets game. We will go live as soon as it wraps up and get you guys a post game show. So thank you guys so much for your time. Appreciate you hanging out with us as always. Um, it means the world to us. You can be listening to anything and you choosing to hang out with us. That's it's awesome And again, if you want to get yourself entered into that quay walker giveaway, uh, jersey giveaway Um, just go to my twitter page retweet that tweet Make sure you're following the account and if you want to give a little bit of money to a good cause Uh, check out uh, fgr there the discipleship ministry that we've got Uh pinned to that uh, page as well and get yourself entered into that contest multiple times So appreciate your time as always. Let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pat, go